Thank you for downloading Peter Smythe's podcast. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Peter and this work at smythe.tv. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke 2. Today we're going to deal with the subject of walking in the Spirit. And while you're turning there, let me kind of set the stage for the teaching today. You know, in mainline Christianity, we don't hear too much about the walk of the Spirit. We hear a lot about the Word. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people would put me in the category of being one of those Word preachers. And I don't have a problem with that because in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul tells us not to go beyond what's written. But I think a lot of times what we do when we talk about being word people is that we forget exactly what the substance of the word is telling us. For instance, in the writer writer of Hebrews, when he starts out his letter in Hebrews, he says, in long times past, you know, God spoke to us in divers manners and in various ways through the prophets. But now he has spoken to us by his son. So even though we read that in the book of Hebrews, what the writer's trying to get over to us is, hey, God has spoken to us through his son. It's not just a written page. The page points to something real, something behind it. And that's what we're supposed to grasp. That's what we're supposed to hold on to. And that's what we're supposed to walk by. So Here in Luke 2, we're going to take a look at a man named Simeon. And what I like to do is what we usually do, and that is read the whole passage and then go back and then break it down and look at exactly what is happening with this man. So let's start with verse 25, and we're going to go to verse 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms And praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, And said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now that's it of Simeon. That's all we read about Simeon in Luke's gospel or any gospel. But let's go back and let's take a look at how this man operated. Let's take a look at his life and why this account is in Scripture. Let's go back to verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, 
looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. You know, I told my wife that in studying this out, I could probably do about five messages on Simeon on this whole thing because there's so much in it. So I'll try to get through as much as I can, and we might do some more sermons on Simeon. But the point today is, is to see how the Spirit moved upon him and guided him. So Luke writes that there's a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. Now notice that he's just a man in Jerusalem. He's not a high-ranking official. He's not a chief priest. He's not a, he's not a big-hat guy or anything like that. He's just a normal guy in Jerusalem. I mean, that's how Luke paints him. He could be the guy just living down the street from you. You know, well, there's Simeon. You see him every day. No big deal. This man was righteous and devout. Now, I think that's important, and it's important that Luke brings this out about him. Another way of writing that could be he was reverent and pious. Now, think about that a minute as we go into what uh, Simeon does with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. He wasn't a party animal. He wasn't loud. He wasn't bombastic. He wasn't obnoxious. Luke says that he was pious and reverent. And that gives you an idea of who this guy was. He seems to be a very quiet man, a man who went about his business, who was, you know, you could see it in your mind's eye that he was reverent. He's not... Um, He's not a big cheese, big hero, or anything like that. He's pretty nondescript, but he does have this air about him that he is reverent to, toward the Lord. When you go through Scripture, and this is somewhat contrary to what we see in the culture today, in the church culture, when you go through Scripture, you see that God really pretty much is an understated personality. I mean, think about it. Jesus at the resurrection, you know, he is resurrected and Mary mistakes him for being a gardener. I mean, he's not doing cartwheels. He's not doing, you know, he's, he's not going crazy. It is so, it's so low key that he finally says Mary and she recognizes him. And this is after he's been resurrected. Now you go and see Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and on the road to Emmaus, he has already been glorified by the Father. And what does Jesus do? He takes on the role of a stranger. I mean, he doesn't appear on the road to Emmaus to Cleopas and Cleopas' friend and say, Hey, look at me, I'm Jesus. I've just been resurrected. Man, it's so cool. And he's just over the top about it. No, he takes on the role of the stranger and he picks their brains about what the events of the last three days had been. When you really look at Scripture and you get down to it, those who are most spiritual seem to be the most understated people you've ever met. They're not over the top. They seem to be quiet on the inside. And you know, that's been my experience in my own life. I mean, I could probably count in my 30 years of full gospel Christianity a dozen people or less, that I could really look at them and say that the Spirit rested upon them. And you know, they had quiet souls about them. 
They were steady. They were quiet. They were, they were very much like Simeon. They were pious and they were reverent. So keep that in mind as we go through this account of Simeon and, and how the Spirit works with him. Now, it says this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Now, that's a little bit blind to us by the way that the gospel is preached today. Think of this as, uh, think of it, Luke as writing, looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And even that is a little bit blind to us with the way that the gospel is preached. God's big plan of salvation was to bring redemption through Israel to the world. And we're going to see that as we go through this. So what Luke's really writing about Simeon is this, as this pious, reverent man, this no-name man who was living in Jerusalem, was all about looking for the redemption of Israel, God bringing forth his plan of redemption really to save the world. Now, let me bring out a scripture just to give it a little bit more context. When you uh, read through the New Testament, you see that the New Testament writers, when they go back to the Old Testament and try to figure out God's mystery of Christ, so to speak, you see that they concentrate on Isaiah 40 through 55. Now, let me read Isaiah 40, 1 through 2, just to give us some context. Isaiah writes this, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then verse 3 goes into the voice crying in the wilderness, which we all know uh, was fulfilled by John the Baptist. And then you see that the rest of Isaiah, going all the way through Isaiah 55, is God prophesying about the restoration of Israel, which really is about the redemption of the whole world. So you take that back to what we're reading in Luke, and we see that Simeon is a righteous and pious man who is all about God fulfilling his plan of redemption. Now, we'll get to it a little bit later but keep this in mind, this man really had denied himself. He had emptied himself. His, his whole goal or his, what would you say, his life destiny that he took on upon himself was to help see God's plan come about or come to fruition. Now, notice the last phrase that Luke writes about him. He said, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Um, in the Greek it says, and, and spirit was holy upon him. Now think about that a minute. This wasn't uh, an instant, and I think that Luke is trying to emphasize this with Simeon. Simeon had the spirit resting on him. It wasn't that the spirit came in and out, or he went to a big gospel meeting, and the, and the Spirit was manifested. This is a guy who was kind of like a gospel pig pen. You know the character pig pen? 
you know, wherever he went, he had a cloud around him, a cloud of dirt following him everywhere he went. Well, Simeon was the same way, but he was the same way with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit rested on him. Now, question is, how did he get that way? Well, you see from the context that his life was about prayer and meditation in the Scriptures. When he's looking for the consolation of Israel, that means that he is meditating on the Scriptures that God has already given about how God's going to bring his plan to fruition. That's what this man's life was about. And so God's Spirit rested on him. And again, you think of, well, you know, in today's church culture, everything is so loud. You know, you go to worship services and they're like concerts. Yeah, the preaching is, is loud and kind of in your face. And what you see here with Simeon is a quiet man who went about his business and the Spirit rested on him. Now keep that in mind as we go through the rest of these scriptures. So that's verse 25. Now look at verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now isn't that a cool thing? First, Luke tells us that the Spirit rests on him. And then in the very next verse, he says that the Spirit revealed to him. And reveals to him, Simeon, you, you won't see any death. You won't see death before you see the Lord's Messiah. Another way of putting it might have been, Simeon, you're not going to see death until you see the flesh and blood fruition of the Lord's plan of redemption come about. Now, here's an interesting thing. Luke doesn't tell us when the Spirit revealed this to Simeon. But there are two things I want to bring out in this. One, when did he reveal it? I can't think that, you know, Simeon, we're going to see Simeon going to the temple um, and like we read, meeting Joseph and Mary and seeing the baby Jesus. I can't believe that the Spirit revealed this to Simeon like the week before. In meditating on this, I mean, you can, you can think to yourself, did the Spirit reveal this to him 10 years before? 20 years before? 30 years before? 40 years before? Was Simeon in prayer and God says, you're not going to see death until you see the Lord's Messiah? And then it's 40 years later that he's told to go to the temple? Actually, that, that could have happened. In fact, I would put more money on that than it happening within just a, a, a few weeks or a few months of him going to the temple. So when you take that into consideration, when you think about that, you think, well, this man has been faithful in looking for the redemption of Israel over the long haul, over a long period of time. Now, one thing, too, you see that Simeon, he didn't take advantage or he didn't test the Lord in this. Now, this seems kind of ridiculous, but it's all going towards attitude. You know, think, think if Simeon's in prayer one day and he's going through scriptures 
And the Spirit reveals to him, you will not see death until you see the Lord's Messiah. And then Simeon, you know, closes the book and says, okay, cool. I'm going to go out to the ESPN sports bar and I'm going to go do some extreme sports. I'm going to go drive around in a car really crazy. I'm going to go see just how the Spirit's word works in this. I'm going to defy death time and time again. He didn't do that. No, we're going to see that his attitude is that he is the Lord's servant. And that's one thing about the Spirit resting on us, is having an attitude, a prayerful attitude of working with the Lord. And we're going to see that with Simeon. So keep that in mind. You know, we have a pious, quiet, reverent man that when sometime during his lifetime, and it was probably years before it happened, the Spirit reveals to him and says, you're not going to see death before you see the Lord's plan come to fruition. And that is, you're going to see the Lord's Messiah. I mean, how cool is that? How cool. Now, we go to verse 27. And it says, guided by the Spirit. Now, here comes, here comes the... Uh, the fulfillment of what the Spirit had just revealed to him. And I say just revealed to him, I mean it's verse 26 and then we go to 27. There might be, like I said, a, a 20, 30, 40 year gap between these two verses. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. Now notice what Luke has just told us in the span of three verses. The Spirit rested on Simeon. The Spirit revealed to Simeon, and now the Spirit has guided him. When you go to the actual Greek verse uh, 27, it says, He came in the Spirit to the temple. You know, and uh, you have different translations here in the NRSV. It's guided by the Spirit. In the New Jerusalem Bible, it's prompted by the Spirit. But what Luke is showing us that this man's life is all about following the Spirit in line with the Word. And that's what being a Word person is all about. It's not just reading something from a page, but it's walking it out lockstep with what, with the Spirit resting on us, revealing to us, and guiding us. Now Luke writes... Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, which was circumcision that day, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, get a picture of this. Simeon goes to the temple on his own. He doesn't bring an entourage. He doesn't call up a bunch of people and say, hey, guess what? The Spirit just told me to go to the temple. Come on, come on, everybody. Let's go, because we got some big things that are going on in the temple today. No, he's quiet about it. This is what the Lord has promised him. Now, um, verse 27, I think, happened on the very day that he was supposed to go to the temple. Because when we go through the New Testament, we see kind of, that's... The, that's the way the Lord works. He doesn't tell people way ahead of the time what he's got planned for them to do 
like going to the temple. You know, 26, it might have been 30, 40 years to say you're not going to see death. And then, and then it might be a long span of time, but then Simeon, probably that day was in prayer with Scripture when the Spirit says, okay, now go to the temple. And like I said, you know, Luke doesn't say that he brought an entourage, didn't say that he brought uh, friends, family, and everything else, which that is something that's real popular in the church today. It's like, come one, come all. He went alone. So you see Simeon going to the temple alone. And when you get to the temple, or when he gets to the temple, there must have been just a huge amount of people in the temple at the time. I mean, it was a very, very busy place. And there must have been other young couples bringing their sons in to be circumcised that day. I can't imagine that it's just Joseph and Mary. So the question comes up, how in the world did Simeon know that Jesus was Jesus? I mean, how would he know? If there's a a bunch of people milling around the temple and coming to have their sons circumcised and all the rest, I mean, did he go through the lines? What happened? I have to think that when he got to the temple, the Spirit witnessed to him which baby was Jesus. And so we have another work of the Spirit. Isn't that cool? So we see this one man who who is a devout believer, who is looking forward to the redemption of Israel, and you see how the Spirit works so closely with him. Notice that Luke doesn't say that he's a prophet, he's an apostle, or he's any big name in Israel at the time. He's just a regular guy. So he shows up to the temple, and then we read that he identifies Jesus, and he walks over to him, and he takes the baby in his arms. And in preparing this, I started to laugh about it because I thought, here's an older man that Mary and Joseph don't know who he is. You know, they don't know him from Adam. And he comes over and he takes their baby in his arms. You know, these days, there'd be some kind of security detail that, you know, rips Jesus out of his hands and takes him away and all that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes that kind of attitude precludes the move of the Spirit in our churches and in our gospel meetings. Instead of letting the Spirit move, we have all these procedures and things in place that don't allow this kind of thing to happen. Because a lot of times, you know, the Spirit guides us and it looks like everything's spontaneous. And we don't allow that kind of thing to happen today. So Simeon takes the the baby in his arms, Jesus in his arms, and look at what he says. Now we have a couple, we have three couplets here and I want to go through those. First he says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. Let those words fall in your mind some. Chew those around a little bit. First of all, he says, Master. This isn't putting on. He's speaking to God personally, and he says, Master. He calls him Master. How many of us call the Father Master these days? This man is a believer pre-resurrection. 
he hasn't even been born again yet, even though he's a believer. He's one of those who didn't receive the promises because he's pre-resurrection. He's looking forward to the promises, and he calls God master, and he calls himself a slave. Master, now you are dismissing your slave in peace. What's he talking about? He's talking about that revelation of the Spirit that he got. You see, the Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And what? He sees the baby Jesus and he knows right away that God has fulfilled his promise to him. So cradling the baby, he says, Master, now you're dismissing me in peace, your slave. Now notice what he says, according to your word. Well, there's nothing written about this. You can go all through the Old Testament and there's nothing about this account in the Old Testament. So what's he talking about? He's talking about that revelation of the Spirit. You see, when God reveals something to us, He is still God. He can't lie. You know, we always look to the written word, but there is also the spoken word by the Spirit. And if God speaks to us by the Spirit, it's going to come to pass. And when He speaks to us the same way, and this is what Luke is emphasizing here, when He speaks to us by His Spirit, we can rely on that just as much as we can rely on his written word or his revealed word. And that's what Simeon is referring to. So you look at this man and, you know, it's such a precious moment, really, because he has been waiting what might have been 30, 40, 50 years for this moment. And then he sees the Lord as a baby and he takes the baby and he says, now you can dismiss me according to your word. Man, how fantastic is that? And then verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared, which you have prepared in the presence of all people. What's he talking about there? You know, this is inspired utterance. You know, you go to my Bible and it's set off, um, it's set off in quotations. Now, let me, let me talk a little bit about inspired utterance because we have the inspired word. And this was written by the apostles and the prophets. But we also have inspired utterance, and that's what we see with Simeon here. Inspired utterance... Uh, you can have gifts of the Spirit operating, like the Word of Knowledge and the Word of Wisdom. And a lot of times in that spiritual manifestation with those gifts, the person who speaks them out uh, is speaking out words that that person doesn't have any knowledge of the underlying facts or the underlying plans. For instance, um, William Branham used to work uh, regularly with the operation of the word of knowledge. People would come up to him in gospel meetings and he could tell them who their doctor was, what kind of ailment they had, uh, sometimes where they lived, what kind of car they drove. What was that? Well, that was the operation of the word of knowledge. Branham, before that person came up, didn't know anything about that person, 
But then the Lord revealed to him facts that he did not previously know. Inspired utterance is somewhat, uh, somewhat different. Here you see Simeon, who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. He had soaked himself in Israel's scriptures. And like we talked about, mostly, probably, Isaiah 40 through 55. And then probably the Psalms on top of that in the prophets. Here, he's speaking out of that well. You know, it's not a prepared speech, but it, it, he has prepared his spirit to such an extent that the spirit can inspire him to speak out what he has already meditated on, and that's what he's doing here. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples. Listen to this, Isaiah 52.10, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. You see what Simeon's saying here lines up with Isaiah 52.10. It's all part of the same inspired speech. It's inspired utterance. It's so cool. Because the Spirit is going to be consistent with what he has said in the Word, what he has inspired others to say and to write. And we see it here with Simeon. So we not only see that the Spirit rested on him, and the Spirit revealed to him something personal, that he wasn't going to see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. We see that the Spirit guided him, but then we also see that the Spirit inspired him to speak. It, it is just so cool. Now let's go down. He says, Which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Now that might not seem like a big thing to us today because most of us are all Gentiles. We're, we're non-Jews and we have come into the body of Christ. But I can tell you that when Simeon when he said this, when he prophesied this, man, this was big. I mean, this is truly inspired speech. How do we know that? Well, you go back to Jonah. You know, the book of Jonah, Jonah is a type of Israel. And what happens with Jonah? Well, the Lord speaks to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. And Jonah what does he do? He refuses to go. You know, he books a ship to the other end of the earth to get away from that command of the Lord. And that's what Israel was doing with the gospel. It was shutting the gospel up and frustrating the purposes of God. Israel didn't want to take the gospel to the nations. It didn't want to be a light to the nations. It didn't want to be a light to the Gentiles. But here we have Simeon, a guy living down the street in Jerusalem, who comes and holds the baby Jesus and calls him a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world? What he's doing is he's prophesying about the, the latter portion of Jonah, because what happens in the latter portion of Jonah? Well, after Jonah is swallowed by the whale, and he's the type of Christ there, he goes on and he preaches to Nineveh, brings the word to Nineveh, and what? Nineveh gets saved. 
Well, he becomes a light to the Gentiles, and that's what Simeon is preaching here. This is what this inspired utterance is. He also says that um, the child's going to be a glory to your people Israel. What's he talking about there? Well, we see it reflected in Paul's letter to the Romans. He writes about Israel. He said, they are Israelites, and to, to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all God-blessed forever. See, there's a glory in Israel, even though Israel rejected its Messiah. There is a glory in Israel that the Messiah came through Israel. And that's what he's prophesying here. So this little baby is going to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. God's glory is going to go to the ends of the earth. In fact, like I said, Isaiah 40 through 55. Listen to Isaiah 49, 6. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel? Listen to these next two lines. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation might reach to the end of the earth. There the Lord is prophesying about Jesus and how the gospel through him will go to the ends of the earth, meaning that it will go to everyone. It will go to the Gentiles too. Hallelujah. And you know, all this is coming from a man who was just pious and reverent before the Lord. Amen. Let's go to the, um, let's go to the next verses. And the child's fa father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary. So Simeon turns over to Mary and says, This child is destined or placed for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. Now listen to this. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So what's Simeon saying here? Well, he's still echoing Isaiah. In Isaiah, Isaiah talks about, and let me find it here. Isaiah likens the Messiah to a cornerstone. Now listen to Isaiah 14 through 15. He will become a sanctuary, a stone one strikes against. For both houses of Israel, he will become a rock one stumbles over, a trap and a snare for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. That is a prophecy about how Israel is going to stumble over its own Messiah. And we preached about that in a prior sermon about how Jesus becomes cursed on the cross and Israel's got a problem with that, that its Messiah is one that they put on a cross to be crucified. But then Simeon also talks about the rising of many. And there 
he's referring to Jesus being the cornerstone on which what? The new temple, the body of Christ is being built. So in this small sentence, he talks about the falling of Israel, how Israel's going to stumble, but then also there's going to be a new temple. And this is all coming from a guy who people probably just passed, you know, for years and years, nondescript guy who, upon whom the Spirit rested, but nobody paid any attention to. Isn't that so cool? That's just so cool that the Lord does that. You know, go up to the temple, Simeon, and God fulfills what's revealed to him, and he also prophesies about the baby Jesus right in front of Joseph and Mary. Now to Mary, he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Why does he say that? Well, we know what happens to Jesus later on in his life. And this is actually a comfort to Mary, knowing that God is involved in it, knowing that her destiny is wrapped up in the plan of God. You know, so even though even though Simeon says a sword is going to pierce your soul. When you receive a word like that from the Lord, then you know that the Lord knows what's going on, that it, it is you are um, he hasn't left you alone. He hasn't left you orphaned. And that is that is the import. That is what Simeon is communicating to Mary. And that also brings up something that is kind of counter to our culture today. You know, a lot of preaching today is all about positivism, meaning that, you know, God has nothing bad to say about anybody. Everything has to be totally positive on, on this real hyper level. But when you walk according to the Spirit, the Spirit knows that things are going to happen in this evil age. And a lot of times we see in the New Testament that what the Spirit does is warn us of things that are going to happen. Like here, we have Simeon warning Mary, well, this child that you have, he's going to be a light to the Gentiles. He's going to bring salvation, but there's going to be a sword that pierces your soul too, because that's going to be required in order for him to be a light to the Gentiles. We see that, um, I can't remember his name right off, but in the book of Acts, there's a prophet that prophesies that there's going to be a famine in the land. Why did God prophesy through that prophet? Well, to give comfort to the church and so the church could be prepared for it. You know, uh, you don't see anybody in the New Testament when this, when this prophet prophesies say, well, you know, you're talking negatively. You know, you shouldn't be negative. God's all positive. no. The Spirit sometimes warns us of things coming up because we do live in an evil age. And that's one reason why we need to walk in the Spirit the way that we see Simeon do or how he did. So just in this short uh, 10 verses of Scripture, we see a man upon whom the Spirit rested. The Spirit revealed to him something that was personal but also made it to the pages of Scripture. The Spirit also guided him. And then when the Spirit guided him to the place that he needed to be, the Spirit inspired him to prophesy, to give inspired speech. And that inspired speech not only gives comfort to us as believers, it gave comfort to Mary and Joseph. 
And you know, when you sit back and you take a look at Simeon's life, he might have prayed 30, 40, 50 years before he had this 15 minutes of fame. You know? I mean, when you consider that he had a walk to the temple, I don't know how far he had to walk to get to the temple. Once he got to the temple and he identified uh, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, this this whole incident might have taken about five minutes. And then he says, now you're dismissing your servant in peace. And that's all we see of Simeon. And you know, that might be the case with some of us. It might be that we're faithful to the Lord for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We have the Spirit resting on us. And the Spirit might reveal like maybe just one thing or two things. And then we have our 15 minutes of fame and then we have finished our course. It's different for every one of us. The, the Apostle Paul had it totally different. Jesus appeared to him and said, well, you're going to suffer for my name's sake. You're going to take my gospel to the Gentiles. And we have a book of Acts that goes all through that. But here with Simeon, we have just 10 verses. It's different with different people. And that's one cool thing about walking in the Spirit, because even though it's different with everybody, it's all for the building up of the body of Christ. Some people might be, uh, might have uh, what you might say more public ministry than others. You know, when you look at Simeon, you see that, well, the only audience that we can see here from Luke's account is Simeon. Mary, Joseph, and an eight-day-year-old baby. And that's it. I don't right now. It is here. Acts 20, 24. I wanted to read this because it falls right in line with what we see with Simeon. This is Paul speaking to the elders of Ephesus. In speaking to them, he says, I don't count my life of any value to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, you see that with Simeon. You see that he was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. He didn't have another agenda. He didn't have something else that he, quote, wanted to uh, finish off in his life. You know, when the Spirit revealed to him that he wasn't going to die before he saw the Lord's Messiah, there's no account that he said, well, wait a minute, Lord. You know, I've got a lot of other things I want to do in the world first. So yeah, I can see your Messiah, but let me also accomplish all these other things. No, his sole goal was to finish his course. And we see that his course comprised 10 verses. We should be so single-minded as him that everything that we do is that we don't count our lives of any value to ourselves, but only that we may finish our course in the Lord. And that way we would walk lockstep, not only with Simeon and Paul, but we walk lockstep with the Spirit, the way that we, we see that Simeon walked with the Spirit. I mean, what a great testimony that is, isn't it? The Spirit rested on me, the Spirit revealed to me, the Spirit guided me, and the Spirit inspired me. I mean, that is all the testimony of Simeon. You know, the no-name guy from Jerusalem. 
So let's pray. Well, let's endeavor to walk the same way. Let's endeavor that we walk with understatement. The understatement of the Spirit where we are righteous and devout, but we are guided by the Spirit and we're inspired by the Spirit. Okay, let's finish up with a benediction. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are 100% listener supported. You may lend your support at smythe.tv. 